I thought I'd begin today with a public service announcement. We only have 16 days until the election. So I thought I'd mention that this morning. Uh, I thought I'd talk about the election for just a minute, a few minutes today. And I know some of you are thinking, I come to church so I can get away from all that. I I watch it too much on television. I see it too much on Facebook. I don't want to talk about the election, but I think we need to this morning in church because of something, I guess, that happened to me, and I wonder if it's happened to you. Uh, I've been struggling with kind of discerning what is the proper way uh, to go to vote in this election, and I have to admit that on Wednesday I watched the third debate, which may or may not have been a good idea. And I watched the debate, and I realized somewhere about two-thirds of the way through that I wasn't sure I was going to vote for, but I had a pretty good idea of the two major candidates, which one I just could not stand any longer. Maybe you feel the same way. There's one of those two candidates, and, and it doesn't matter which of those two candidates it was for me. Your results may vary. But one of them I just could not stand. I just The thought of them makes my skin crawl. And, and so Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, I noticed on social media and out in the world, I had people I knew, uh, and they supported this candidate that I cannot stand. Any of you have friends like that? Never mind. And on Facebook and, and such, and, and I just thought, how could this be? And I realized that, and then sometime, it was Friday, I didn't know I was going to preach this till, sat, till yesterday, but this is where God was working in my life. Somewhere on Friday, I realized November 9th was coming, and on November 9th, one of these two people is going to be our next president. Most likely, 99% of sure, that one of these two people, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, is going to be our next president. And I just thought, I cannot have that person as my president. I just can't. I'm just like, it just, mm. And I realized I was getting angry about it. And I just, I was so frustrated, and, and I spent my day off. It was just not a good day. Just looking, like, what are the chances they're going to win? What do the polls look like? And, you know, going on and on and on. And then Mike called me yesterday morning and asked me if I preach. And I really didn't know. And my prayer was, Lord, what are you teaching me this week? Because for me, the, the best prayers, that I, the best sermons that I can give are ones that God has let me live. And, and it's out of what I've experienced that I'm able to share with you. And wouldn't you know, God drove me to this passage from Matthew chapter 5. And I thought about that. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And doesn't that sound good to us? Like, if you like me, and you and I agree, you and I get along, I like you. But, what about those people who don't get along with us? What about those politicians who stand for things that stand against the deepest things we believe? What do we think about them? Or what do we think, and this just came to my mind, what do we think about the people who are fans of opposing sports teams? I didn't know I had so many Penn State fans on Facebook with me. (laughs) This is not... They got to go. Uh, no. <laughs> but more seriously, what about the people who've hurt you? 
the ex-spouse, the abusive parent, the children who won't talk to you, or the child who won't talk to you, the boss who's tyrannical, and the person who you'd just rather not speak to. Because, you know, most of us, if we think, oh, I don't really have enemies, I try to live kind of an easygoing life, but the truth is, in my life and your life, there are people who we struggle to do that thing that Jesus says there. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Can you imagine the enemies of our nation? Can you imagine the ISIS terrorists? And Jesus says, love ISIS terrorists. Pray for ISIS terrorists. Don't pray for them to die or to vanish. That that might pray for that. But pray, this is what he's saying, pray for their best interest and God's best interest. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's not something I want to do easily. Because you know what? Holding a grudge against them, you know what? It can feel good at a superficial level. You know, the rush of adrenaline, of self-righteousness, that I'm right and they're wrong and I believe what is good and they believe what is evil. It makes us feel better. But friends, that's not what Jesus asks us to do. That's not how Jesus asks us to approach November 9th or these other encounters in your life. He says, love your enemies. And friends, I don't know if I've got it in me. But the good news is that I believe Jesus gives us a clue. You know, why does he tell us to love our enemies? It doesn't say, now some ancient philosophers and belief systems says, love your enemies so that you can make them your friends. You've probably heard that advice. Love your enemies uh, that you can embarrass them for their meanness by your goodness. But Jesus doesn't say that. He has no functional reasons to love your enemies. Not so you'll change their mind, but simply, he says, love them, comma, so that, so that you may be like your heavenly Father. So that you may be children of your heavenly Father. It's very interesting in the Gospel of John, Jesus, the, the prologue, that very first chapter, it says that Jesus came and that those who believed in him, God gave the right to be called, what? Children of God. That it is the privilege and it is the blessing of those of us who trust in Christ for salvation, those of us who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we can be children of of God. And Jesus reminds us that those who are children of God are those who do what their parent do, their, what their parent does. Those who are children. In fact, in the Jesus talks to the religious leaders who say, We are children of Abraham, and Jesus says, No, if you were children of Abraham, you'd behave like Abraham. No, you are children of your father the devil. You believe that. We are children of the one that we behave like. The one whose heart is in us. And so the good news this morning for you and for me is that 
God's heart is a heart that loves his enemies. Here's what I mean. The story of the Bible from Genesis 3 on is the story of humanity that has chosen to rebel against God's will for their life. It's the story of humanity that every time they try to come close to God, somehow we pull back. We are people who rebel against God's love. We are people that have somehow through our own desires to be in charge on our own have even made God an enemy. Even made God an enemy. But, but the good news this morning is that my Bible doesn't say in John 3.16, for God so loved all the good people. My Bible doesn't say, for God so loved all the people who agreed with God. But what my Bible says is, for God so loved the world. There you go. Thank you. And that word world means the created order. God so loved all that was created, what? He gave His only Son. The kind of love that the Bible speaks of and that Jesus is talking about here in this passage is not the love of, well, I feel good emotions for someone. It is the love that gives away. It is the love that sacrifices. That God's love was for us even before we were righteous. Paul tells us in Romans, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in rebellion, God, Christ, died for us. Before we could respond in love to God, God in love came and suffered and died on the cross for us, for you and for me. Before we were God's friends, when we were far away, when we didn't want anything to do with God, God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. That's the good news this morning. That God doesn't wait for us to agree with Him. That God doesn't wait for us to get our life and our acts together before we can come to God. But God loved us no matter what. And the good news is that God then invites us into be in relationship. God wants to be our Father. God wants to put God's heart in us so that we too might love even those who do not first love us. And so I thought about it. I thought about how difficult that was, that idea that somehow God could, could do something in me that could open my heart to love even the one who doesn't agree with me. And it's revolutionary. It's life-changing when we come to realize that. It's why we pray uh, every Sunday here for our leaders. 
I don't know if you notice that what I do is, is I, I do this every day in my personal prayers, and I do it on Sunday here, and I hope maybe you'll do this, is I pray for our president by name, and I pray for our governor by name, and, and our senators and representatives, I pray by name on my daily prayers. And, and I always pray for them. Some of you have noticed this. I pray for them by their first name. And some of you, I've heard, and I once told me about, you know, hear things, that some of you are like, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird, isn't it? You know, we pray for Barack, our president, for Matt, our governor, and, you know, Rand and Mitch and Brett and so on and so forth, our leaders. And soon we'll be praying for Donald or Hillary. And, um, and some of you are like, well, why would we do that? Shouldn't we kind of president? But, you know, I, I, here's why I've told some of you why I pray for them by their first name. Uh, some years ago, I was in uh, college. About 10 years ago, I was at Kenyon College in Gambier, Ohio. And while I was there, I had a, 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 someone who was kind of an acquaintance, wasn't really a close friend, but I knew him. And uh, he was involved in one of the same campus ministries I was. And today he's actually a pastor in another denomination. Uh, I remember he once, he, but it, that was 10 years ago during the presidency of George W. Bush. Now, some of you in this room, you probably are great supporters of President Bush, and some of you were counting down the days until he was out of office. And my friend was definitely the latter. He could not stand George W. Bush, could not stand his policies, could not stand anything. He just was just one of these people who is viscerally opposed to the policies and practices of President Bush. But every Sunday, he said he'd go to the little Episcopal chapel on campus, and every Sunday they would pray for our President George. And what he said he realized was in that moment that he had created an image, a caricature in his own mind about President Bush. And what he realized when he would pray for George was that the president was a person just like him. Was a person who struggled just like him. Was a person who was trying to do what they, want, what, what they thought was best but needed God's help. He saw this person with whom he disagreed immensely as in the words of a great preacher of our denomination once said, he saw him made in the image of God, that God loved him all the way to the cross, and that he was destined to be a brother in Christ. And that's what God invites us to do when he says love our enemies. He invites us to look at others the way God sees them. Not as the caricatures and the images that we see on television or in the media. But as people in need of God's direction and grace. We pray for them not so that they would somehow convert and believe what we believe or act how we believe. But that we pray that God will do in their hearts what God has done in our hearts. And that's the very center of it. That suddenly somehow we would see others not as enemy, not as person who persecutes us, not as someone who treats us differently because of what we believe, but as someone who is loved by God. And that's challenging. But it's at the very heart of God. I think it's at the very heart of that last verse 
where Jesus says, and now be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now there's a lot we can say about those words, be perfect, and, and there's a lot we can kind of just gulp about, like how could I ever do that? But, but I think what Jesus is saying here is being perfect is not a matter of not making mistakes or not thinking the right things, but it is a matter of that everything we do, no matter whether it is for friend or enemy, is done out of love. And so, friends, how about you? What's going to happen on November 9th in your heart? No matter whether you stand on the left or the right or the center or the top or the bottom or the whatever, how will you work? What will your heart say on that day? How will your heart react to the ex-spouse or the abusive parent or the child, wayward child or the tyrannical boss to those people who don't see the, the world the way you see it to those people who don't even want to, do, to see you do good can God work in your heart? can God speak to you those words and show you how God sees that person? as a real person and not as a caricature? Can God make a difference in your life? I think God can. I think if we simply open our hearts to what God is do, wants to do in us, God will give us His eyes for them. And God will mend relationships. Because friends, if our relationship to be mended, it's first got to be mended in our own heart. Because you see, the devil wants to drag us away in hatred and, and in disgust for others. But Jesus, what he wants to do is bring us together. To give us a new heart to love one another, even our enemies. And just think, if God did that, what difference would that make in your life? What difference would that make in our church family? What difference would that make in our denomination? What difference would that make in our nation? And what difference would that make in our world? Let's pray.